Welcome to our weekly, weekly Wednesday night shir. Shir dedicated to our Levinson, Mushka, our 32nd yard site. Zachov Beishvat this week. Rivkula, the Shalom, Bas Menachem Mendel, and Shir, the Badal Chaim, and Shir, the Badal Chaim, Bas Daniel. Pash Mishpatim, Shabbos Mevarchim Chaydish Other, because only one other, it makes it, of course, Pashas Shkolem. Just to reiterate again for those that are the average people, <laughs> excuse me, because most people do not can, cannot remember how the things fall into place. <coughs> not culpable at all. If you have a moment, you take out a kiddush shemarach and you go through the simon, and it'll tell you how the dalat parshas are set up, situated. First, the dalat parshas is Shabbos Kolim, which is one of two things: either Shabbos Mevarchem Chaydish Other or Shabbos Rish Chaydish Other. If Rish Chaydish Other comes out on Shabbos, that would be Shabbos Kolim. If it comes out in the middle of the week, like it does this year, then Shabbos Mevarchem is Parshas Kolim. Two Sivritera are taken out. The first they read Pasha Mishpatim. There'll be seven Elias. And then the second would be Pasha Kisisa, which would be the Maftir. Let's go through the Dalit Parshas quickly. The Shabbos after Shkolem could be an empty Shabbos, no Parsha. The Shabbos before Purim is Pasha Zacher. The Shabbos before Chedesh is Para. <coughs> so again, there's no connection Purim and Para. Chedesh, on the other hand, is either Shabbos Mevarchim. Chedesh Nisan or Shabbos Chedesh Nisan. And Pada is the Shabbos before that whenever it comes up. If Pasha Shkolem would be on Shabbos Chedesh, then obviously we would take out three Sifritera. Because it would be for the Pasha, Shkolem, and for Shabbos Chedesh. It's not relevant. I just said it because that would be the halacha, but it has nothing to do. We do not have that case this year, neither by Chedesh nor by Par- nor by Shkolem, so we don't have to worry ourselves. Only Shkolem and Chedesh could be on Shabbos Rish Chedesh. Let's start. Oh my gosh! Let's start with Pashas Mishpatim. A very, very rich parsha, a very full parsha. 
full of mitzvahs. To be exact, 23 mitzvahs say, 30 places say. Do the math. But the parsha begins Ve'ele Hamishpatim. And we all know Vov is Masif Al Ha'ovar. It's Vov Hamasif. Vov adds to the previous. When we say and this is we say that this is also a continuation to what we were just talking about before. And therefore, Ve'ela HaMishpatim, says Rashi, is a continuation to the parasha prior, which is the parasha of Yisrael, which spoke about Matan Torah, the receiving of the Torah on Har Sinai. The receiving of the Torah in Harsin, as we spoke about last week, was a great, great pump and stance. With thunder and lightning and sounds and reverberation. So we want to know in that case what is in this Torah? That was given from Shemaim, from the heavens. This is the contents of Pasha's Yisrael. This week we begin to read Pasha's Mishpatim. The mitzvahs that were given on Sinai as well. What do we see? Mishpatim, in essence, the laws. given on Sinai are laws that are simple laws laws ordinances that are between friends, between people self-understood, self-explanatory self-understood, a person understands how they need to behave common practice In that case, Yisrael Mishpatim, Yisrael Mishpatim are total opposites one another. Yisrael is talking about heavenly concepts, God coming down to Sinai, God giving us the Torah, the revelations, the godly revelations that took place, seeing the sounds and hearing the lights. Total above nature. Total things that have nothing to do with the common sense or knowledge of a person. Mishpatim, on the other hand, talks about daily life. The day-to-day grind. What one has to do with the other. How one has to behave with a fellow person. We look deeper into it. 
it's especially these two Torah portions <coughs> that are so opposite in our minds that complement one another and there are levels or predicaments rather that go hand in hand and that ultimately enhance enhances the concept of receiving of the Torah the mainstay concept of standing by Harsinai was in order to nullify the conception between the spiritual world and the physical world how one could not go in with one with the other and to bring this about through the Teirah Gdesha bringing the Teirah into the physical world and unite or unify (coughs) spirituality with physicality the main point here not that the godliness became nullified or broken or dissected or watered down or compromised but it also did not come to totally nullify and destroy the physical essence of the world the world needed to stay the way it is a physical essence the boundaries and the actual physicality of the world with with all this said there was a remnant now of a higher level of spirituality of holiness and this is where truly spirituality and physical come together. First stage of the unity between spiritual and physical is mentioned in the Pashas Yisrael. Hashem al Harsinai. God literally came down onto Harsinai. This phenomenal revelation that took place, the thunder, the noise, the trembling, set the world into motion here. Yet the Medrash tells us a very interesting phenomenon. The birds did not tweet. nor did they fly the oxen did not okay someone catch me make their noise that they made moo the world was silent the Jewish nation caused a revelation of godliness 
and this total nullification of everything that happened. So much so that they literally had to fly away from the mountain and stand from a distance. First stage, HaKadosh Baruch Hu came down to this world. But what is the reason for all this? What is the, the purpose? That the world should not become nullified. The world should not become null and void, but rather it adds to the physical world. As a servant to Kedusha, sometimes we have an urge. We want to do something in the physical realm of the world. But we know that spiritually speaking, this is not necessarily on the highest of levels. It's not necessarily the wrong thing, it's not necessarily necessarily, necessarily a totally prohibitive thing. Not the ideal thing. We use another, an extra step of spirituality to avoid this. Sometimes at great cost, sometimes at physical pain. Therefore, we now needed to come on to the second level, to the second stage. That's mentioned now in Pasha Mishpatim. This Pasha now discusses the laws of money, of damage, the physical world itself. How a Jew needs to do to be able to keep, to accept and complete the mitzvahs of Hashem in his physical life. how it gets enveloped in the physical world and becomes one with it. (laughs) Pashmish Pratim therefore teaches us We don't necessarily have to take ourselves away, take ourselves out of the physical life of world. The opposite. The holiness comes through our involvement in physical mundane world. Thank you. Our daily life, how we go on with our daily life. And how it's done according to Tera. A repair to a damage. Reward for a certain time period. This 
caused the true bond, the true unison between the two, between spirituality, holiness, and physical mundane world. In order for a Jew to have strength for this, to bring this Kedusha, this holiness, this sanctity, into the actual physical life of the world, we need to come on to the episode, to the era, to the happenings of Pashas Yisrael. The holy revelation of godliness, which is above and beyond nature. And this is by being totally nullified to godliness. Only after that can we develop our daily life from day to day operation involved in godliness and holiness, spirituality. These are the ordinances placed before them. If you keep in the score at home, you can get in the base. 88 side 2. And the Gemara learns from this Pasuk even if it's a, divil, a civil dispute between two people, it can only be brought before them, before Bezin. The Jewish courts. Do not, two Jews cannot go to the non-Jewish courts. Even if the secular court will come up with the same ruling, logically speaking, the same ruling that the Jewish court would give, it's not acceptable. The ruling needs to be based on Tato law. And when a person seeks and abides by the rulings of the Taylor law, of the Besden, the person is submitting themselves to God's will. Whereas if one is going to abide with the secular courts, even if it's identical conclusion to that of the Taylor one, This is merely to acknowledge the justness of human conventions and logic. But it does not have any basis in holiness, in spirituality. Similarly, in Masech Shabbos, if you keep your score at home, Kuf Hayam at Beis, 105, side 2, the Gemara describes the same concept with the Sahara. That voice found inside us that Rahman al draws us to sin, Chasr 
Initially, the Yitzhahara does not come and say, go do a sin. Because the person turns around and says, no. Generally, when you push, people push back. On everything. It's unfortunate, the uh, human nature. It's probably not animalistic nature, but we call it human nature. For the most part, when you push somebody to do something, they push back. If you can convince them, and you can cajole them, and you can cajole them, then maybe, maybe, perhaps they will listen to you. But on the general whole, no. You say, yes, I won't do it. And the Yetzirah is the same. If the Yetzirah were to come to a person and tell them, go out and do a sin, the person would tell the Yetzirah where to get off. But the Yetzirah is a Melech Zokan He's a smart chap. A king. An old, wise king. And he doesn't do that. He comes to the person and says to him, Oh, you know you have to do this mitzvah, right? You know why? Because tzedakah is a beautiful thing. If you give tzedakah, you give charity. First of all, you make the person very happy. Secondly, you're going to feel happy. You're going to feel good about yourself if you give tzedakah. It's a good feeling to give and to help other people. To know that this person now has money for Shabbos. To know this person can now pay his mortgage, or can pay his electric bill, or can pay his camp fee, or can pay his school tuition. You're doing wonderful work here, buddy. It's great stuff on your part. Don't do it because God told you to. Do it because you're going to feel good about it. Do it because you're going to feel good about it. Did you know how unhealthy pork is? They found all the diseases and the worms and everything they found in there. Eat kosher. That's the way to go. It's healthier for you, healthier for your mind, for your heart. The Yetzirah, in essence, tells the person, do the mitzvahs, but not because God told you to. Do the mitzvahs because it works for you. It ends up in your benefit. It goes in your court. Once the Yetzirah convinces the person to not do mitzvahs because they're serving God, but because of their own mind, he catches the person. Gechapt. Now that you're listening to you, now that I have your ear, my friend, let me really tell you what you need to do. He says the Gemara, and he tells him, go do serve Aveda Zara, serve idols, and he goes and serves idols because the Yitzhara is now his influence, his mentor, his guide. Hasidus explains this to mean the Yitzhahara's initial suggestion is not even Aveda Kala. Not even a small minor Aveda, small minor prohibition. He gives credence to every mitzvah but with the rationale of the person's mind. The rational perspective is behind what you're doing.
And he says, I'm the Yed Zahara, and I think that mitzvah should be done. And you know me, I'm the Yed Zahara. I only want you to do bad. But that mitzvah, it's an idea. Oh, the person says, he sounds like a friend. And slowly, the Yitzhara infiltrates into a person's attitude, the attitude towards terror observance. Instead of being centered on obedience to God's will, one's observance of the mitzvahs now becomes defined by the degree to which he finds a particular mitzvah sensible. It makes sense to do it. It's useful, personally beneficial sometimes. Sigut. Once the Yitzhah successfully diverts the person's focus from obeying God's will and God's will alone, Yitzhah can eventually lure the person into doing everything else. As we said before, the Yimara said, Same reason, says the Tata, we don't go to the secular courts. Even the judgment is going to fit and concur with Tata, with Halacha. In order not to fall prey of the Yitzhahara's voice, not to fall prey of the Yitzhahara's vices. The observance a Jew does for a mitzvah and fetida may not be contingent only on human rationalization. One needs to approach each and every mitzvah with the attitude of Kabbalah's ill, accepting the yoke of heaven, obeying the mitzvahs primarily, because this is what God wants us to do. This becomes the level this becomes then the mission on which we have sent. Someone just sent out that triangle K is not acceptable. Okay, not what the shear is about, so I can't give you the insights on these things. Um, get back to focusing on the actual shear. Mishpatim, therefore, are laws telling us they need to be done because they are laws of the Teda and because Akadosh Baruch Hu told us to do them. 
laws involving Ben Adam Lachaveroi, person and their fellow man. Everything, of course, as we know, is Ashkoch Pratis, is divine providence. And therefore, on this parsha of Mishpatim, we also share, as we said before, with Shabbos Shkolem. Shabbos Shkolem talks about the Machtsis HaShekel. The half a shekel that was given by the Jews from Meshchedish Oder, Machzirin al Shkolem, they start, they start to call out about the shkolim that need to be collected. And this money was collected for by the kabayas, this money was collected for fixing roads, this money was collected for kabonis, this money was collected for many different things. And we read in Yamit. The wealthy man did not add to this, and the poor man did not subtract from this. Everyone was required to give a half of a shekel. By reading this, we find what's called a chukatlula. Two opposites. From one side, the mitzvah is done only with a half a shekel, not with a full thing. Only a half entity. And the Pesach says, Esrim Gero. That the shekel is 20 Gero. And the Torah could have written Eser Gero to tell us about the half a shekel. No, the Torah writes, Machtsis a shekel. The half a shekel. To stress that the mitzvah is dafka with something, it's a half. And in the future generations, like in today's days, we also give a half. In America we give half dollars, and in other countries they give half of their money. It's done with three half dollar coins, etc., half, but not a complete one. On the other hand, the halacha is deemed that we give the half a shekel, it needs to be complete, in one shot. We can't pay it out. This half a shekel needs to be done the whole half a shekel at one time. can't pay today a little bit, tomorrow a little more. It, it can't happen. It has to all be paid at once. So we see from here, the giving of the half a shekel stresses the teta, the concept of shleimus, of complete. You need to give the entire amount at once. And we don't find this by any other Obligation, monetary obligation. Any other monetary obligation, the person can pay out. Machzah shekel needs to be given completely all at once. 
let us get to the bottom of what Machzah Shekel is all about. Both according to the Musr and according to Chassidus. How does this affect on a daily basis the life of the Jew? How Dafka, the mitzvah, is done with a half. And how a Dafka has to all be given at one time. Generally, holy items, sacred items, in the holy temple, had to be complete. You could not give a blemished animal, you could not give a chipped rock, stone, Everything needed to be a complete entity. If a stone was chipped on the altar, it needed to be taken out and changed. Couldn't use it. If a carbon, a sacrifice, had a blemish, a cut, something missing from it, an eye, an ear, a hoof, it was not accepted. The Kayan that did the actual sacrifice needed to be a full, complete guy. He couldn't have any, any kind of anything missing either. So, where does the Tera come off to a mitzvah of a half a shekel? A half of an entity. It's explained in Chassidus. HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Yisrael are two halves. The Almighty and the Jews are two halves. And the Mazichim Magid, the Magid explains on the Pasuk, You should make two trumpets. And he says, the broken up you break up the word chatzetzes, it breaks up to the words chatzoyitzures, half figures. Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael are the two halves. Together, they're considered a tzura shleima in a complete picture. So the concept that a Jew thinks. Excuse me, the concept that's thought of, that Yisrael and Kutchabrichu, as two halves of one entity. So now we understand what the Altareb writes in the beginning of Tanya that the Nisham of every Jew is a Chelek Elikami Maal Mamish, part of God. It's not that the Nisham is a, his own entity. And detaches itself from God. But to begin with, it's one with God. It's Chelek and the Kamim al Mamish. Part of God. And this is the taken, this is the actual essence of the mitzvah Machzah Shekel. Person needs to come out to the recognition and the feelings that his neshama is only a half entity. The second half is Hakadosh Baruch Hu.
and one needs to strive and to push oneself to attach themselves once again with its second half. Once a person comes to the recognition that he's only a half entity and is then he comes to the main point of Mesidus Nefesh abnegation, self-sacrifice when a person is Mesid Nefesh he gives up his very life to sanctify God's name it doesn't mean the person is very well versed in godliness, in God, and who God is, and what God is. But with no knowledge whatsoever, it's a concept which is impossible, entirely impossible, to deny God. With no taina, no minor, no answer, no question, no, no debate at all. And the reason is, the reason that it's totally out of the question that a Jew should want to detach themselves from God Almighty is because God Himself, God Hashem Echod, Meir gives light and life to each and every soul. And the person feels that Hashem Yisbarach is his entire life, his entire essence. And therefore, he can never, ever detach himself from it. This is therefore the inner essence of the Machzis HaShekel, of the Hefe Shekel. When a Jew feels how it is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is half his appearance and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Meir Mechaya HaNefesh Ko HaNefesh it becomes clear to him without any question without any kind of debate that he can never separate himself from God you can't take apart the two entities, two halves. The entity of Nishama and the entity of Hashem Yisbarach. And therefore he gives himself over totally with Mesiris Nefesh for God's name. So now we understand why Machsa Shekel had to be given in one shot and not piecemeal. When a Jew stands in a situation and he feels that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his Neshama are the two halves of one entity, it's not possible
that he should give himself totally, partially, to God. Because HaKadosh Baruch and he are one. And therefore he needs to give his entire entity to HaKadosh Baruch at once. All at once, and not in piecemeal. This is where we see the Mesiris Nefesh. You can't say a person has a little Mesiris Nefesh or a lot of Mesiris Nefesh. The fact that a person gives over his essence, his life, to Hashem Yisbarach, in one, in one go, in one shot, and not today a little bit, and tomorrow more. He gives it all at once. So you find Dafke, because this union of Maxis, where he feels how HaKadosh Baruch and Neshama are the two entities, two half-entities, he can give his whole essence at once. Not partially. Part here, part there. Now we understand what the Chazal tells us. Near Shalmi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe a Matbeya Shal Eish. Zayitnu, he said to him. Chazayitnu, this is how it should look. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him that the essence of this mitzvah is not only giving money, but a coin of fire, the flame of the neshama, which is a chelik elikami mal mamish, and you can't separate yourself from this at all. So much so that it becomes the ash of the sinus nefesh, the fire, the flame. And this we find in the Pasha. Towards the end of the Pasha, actually. A very interesting mitzvah. Kisire chamur senacho. You will see the donkey of your enemy. Reveitz tachas masoi is being weighed down under his load. And you held back, you restrained, you refrained from helping him? No, says the Teda, you have to go help him. Teda commands us that if we see the donkey of a person, even if you don't like that person, and the bur- it's under a burden and it's being hurt, you may not hold yourself back from helping the person. You need to totally unpack the burden, unpack the load on the donkey. Oops. Phone wasn't making noise.
The Bashem Tev explains this Pasuk very profoundly. The Sigufim, excuse me, in a spiritual, profound way. Chamer is the same letter as Chimer. The physicality of the body. The Gufa Chumri. Coarseness. Kisire Chamer. When you will concentrate and you will see the Chaymeshelcha, your own coarseness in your physical body, then it will be revealed to you that Seinacha, this is your enemy. This body hates the Neshama, the godly soul, and opposes it. Because it's physicality and opposes the spirituality. And also, it's under this bundle, under the load. The masa of mitzvahs are considered in the eyes of this chamer as a heavy load. Perhaps, God forbid, you will say that I would not, I'm not going to stop to help him. I'm not going to stop to help this mundane body. Perhaps. But rather, you want to break the body. You want to go in there, step in there, and beat this body down. How? Fasting. Rolling in, in the sand, rolling and keeping it in, in, in uncomfortable situations, tells us the Tera no. You need to help him out, not to break him, you need to encourage him. The way the Bashemta says, this whole sigufim and tainis, this whole tortures and, and fasts are not relevant. This is not how one comes to the revelations. Just the opposite. One needs to try to involve
to make a healthy body. Also the Talmud of the Bashemtev, the Magid, spoke also in the same spirit. And he pointed to his own son, the Malach, Avram the Malach. And he warned him how you have to look after your body. And one hole in your body is causing a tremendous crater in your soul. These lessons are known and always taught even before Chassidus came around. Shulchan Aruch Paskins ain't the Adam Rishus Agufei. Shulchan Aruch Paskins a person does not have a permission over their own body and they need to watch their body. Therefore it's also the Tzar Ebishim Tzar. You're not allowed to torture it with any kind of pains. Even refraining it, holding it back from eating or drinking. And the Rambam writes, the body needs to be healthy, needs to be complete, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in that case, what's the Vashem teaching us? What does Hashem teach us? We know already a person has to be careful with this. But the Shulchan Aruch itself gives a psak that there's a way that's allowed for a person to torture their own body. When a person does this in the way of tshuva. person does it in the way of tshuva and he wants to repent and he wants to wipe away his sins he wants to wipe away his sins and he wants to clear everything up this he can cause and do well for his body. And this is where the Bashem comes and gives us a Kiddush. That even tshuva, even repentance, where the person is doing to their body whatever they are because they're doing it for tshuva, one needs to be careful and to watch over their body. And Teres Chassidus teaches us a new way in the service of tshuva. That even tshuva itself can be done with the body and not through breaking it. Keeping it as an entity. Keeping it as a whole. This is a special kayach that Chassidus reveals to us. 
the Koyach the Koyach to return to the Tshuva and to do it with Simcha Betuv Levav joy This revelation, this preparation for the time of Gula, that this comes to the world, this physical world, in completeness, to complete the world, to fix the world, to rectify the world. Then, Then we'll reveal the physical spirituality within the world. This is what Chassidus brought about, that the physical body has a capability and capacity without fasting, without doing anything else. As we say, by serving God with joy and with happiness. A Jewish slave was sold and he had to work for seven years. And at the end of that period, he said, I don't want to go out. I like my master. I'd like to stay. Says the So the master pierces his ear with an awl and he serves forever, forever meaning till Yevil. If a Jewish servant wishes to go free, He doesn't want to go free. He gets his ear pierced. After six years. Kibbis Kor of the Gemara Kedushin, Chav Beis and Mabez asks, Why is the Teda Single out the ear for piercing. 
It's all rested on the Zerubari. And the Gemara says, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu said, this ear which heard my voice on Har Sinai, And heard me say, Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim avadayim. They're my servants, not servants of servants. And yet went and acquired a master for himself. Let this ear be pierced. We know, as we said before, on Har Sinai, what happened? They saw what they could hear, and they heard what they could saw, see. In that case, if they saw the sounds, the ears of the servant are not guilty for not abiding. Why aren't the eyes held accountable as well for not living up to what they witnessed? The answer is the tailor's disappointment with the servant is not that he is less spiritually spiritually sensitive than he was at Sinai when he saw and heard the voice of God. But rather the disappointment is that he's not living up to his current potential. Based on what he experienced in Hasinai, he should have lived up to a special potential. And therein lies the difference between what he saw and what he heard. Because after the sounding of the Ten Commandments, this whole awesome godly revelation disappeared. It ceased. So the Jew, therefore, can no longer be expected to relate to that level of seeing godliness with the clarity that the purpose that God gave, that God served, and gave us that clarity, gave us that vision and revelation in Hasinai. So what happens in this post-Sinai era, in the concealment now of this godliness? The Yid, as we said before, arrives with the concept of Kabbalah's El, taking the yoke of God. So our ability to hear, to choose to be God's subject, even when His presence is concealed, is still a sound concept. A Jew therefore is held accountable, even post-Sinai, where the revelation no longer is in, in full blast, and he fails to hear and recognize, therefore those ears need to be pierced. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should reveal himself to us once again, and we should have the ultimate revelation of ultimate good, with the Gula Mitzvah Shlema, Shabbat Shalom to all.